Today we consider the reality that some things God is doing in our life require fire in the form of severe trials. It's not fun, but it's good to remember when it seems like your whole world is burning down. Welcome to Run With Horses. My name is Norman, and my goal is to help you thrive as a follower of Jesus. No, you aren't alone. Yes, your life matters. Sorry, I don't know how long your current trial is going to last. But God does, and He promises to be with you each step of the way. You know, when we were kids, I'm one of three, we often, probably like most kids, ran to mom and complained about something. You know, she pushed me, I fell down and skinned my knee, I'm not getting what I want, I didn't want to go to school today. (laughs) Any number of things, we always have something to complain about. Well, she would sometimes say, in her very motherly voice, into each life a little rain must fall. Well, although that's true, it wasn't really what we wanted to hear. And... We were stuck with that. (laughs) There was sometimes just not more. Go away, I'm busy, your problem's not enough for me to deal with. But it's true that our lives are not perfect. We're going to have struggles. And sometimes it's a little rain when you wanted to play baseball. Other times, your house is on fire. So we wanted an instant solution to our very immediate problems, the thing right in front of us. And I don't know that we grow out of that temptation to run to God looking for an immediate solution to our temporary problem. And a lot of our problems are temporary and small. That's true. That's not really what I'm talking about today. You know, sometimes your house is on fire. It's it's really a major trial in your life. It is life-altering, life-shattering, life-changing in every aspect. Now, When that happens, we still often run to God and want an instant fix, but for those big things, there's often not an instant fix. And God sometimes, even though it's a really big problem, responds kind of like mom did. Sorry, you have to go through this one. The difference is, unlike mom, God is working through the trial to accomplish something. It's not something like mom just saying, hey, it rained today, had nothing to do with that. God's actually working in a way that is meant to be good for you, is meant to help you. And it's often something that can't be done without the trial. And that's one of those things that's kind of a a hard one for us to, to grasp and get our minds around. Well, check this out. Without the right kind of fire, some trees simply can't reproduce and overall forest health can be negatively affected. And this is from a nationalforest.org article or page on their website. I put the link in the show notes. This is something that I've known about for a long time. You know, I was in horticulture, so I studied and am aware that that seeds need all kinds of different things to germinate. Some need heat. They need to go through a fire, and sometimes they're pretty, pretty good burning. Other seeds need cold, and I mean like freezing. If it doesn't get cold enough some winters, some seeds are just hold on for the next one and hope it gets cold enough. Some seeds require a certain level of acid. There are all kinds of things that seeds require to show them that it's time to germinate. And what it is in the case of fire and in the case of acid and some of those things, a lot of seeds have this hard outer shell that needs to go through something in order to germinate. In the case of fire, they need to be heated up. The the shell is there to protect the seed, to make sure that it goes through 
and is viable until the conditions are right. And conditions are right after the fire has gone through and maybe burn off the undergrowth, the competition. So now this seed is able to germinate and have a much better shot at producing a viable plant. So there's reasons why it's that way. The thing to remember is on the other side of the fire, there's new life. The seed germinates. It grows. You know, I personally believe that there are gifts in the form of these seeds that God gives us that require fire to be released to us. And that fiery trial in your life is a spiritual proving ground, and it proves that the conditions are now ready. You're now ready for this gift. You're now ready for this ministry, for this opportunity that's only available because you have gone through the fire. Well, how does that work? Well, I think it's it's kind of like the way that that seed covering is changed by the heat or the cold or the acid or whatever it requires. That seed covering, that hard outer shell, is changed fundamentally by the fire. It's it's made more pliable. It's made more uh, maybe more brittle. It's it's made where it can now open where before it couldn't. It didn't allow moisture to go through. The fire allows it to allow moisture in, allows the seed to germinate. Well, the trial in our life changes us in fundamental ways at our heart, at our core. It changes us in a way that makes us more sensitive to God's work in our life. So the fire, that trial, helps you orient to God in a new way. And that's important. This seed, that protective shell, as long as it is in place... It protects that inner inner part of the seed for sure, but it also it overprotects it. It cannot germinate because of that covering. So the covering has to be changed. Well, sometimes we have parts of our life, maybe things that we're relying on, maybe ideas that we have, uh, maybe we're just too content. And until that changes, we're not ready for what God has for us. We're not ready for the ministry that God wants to offer us that requires us to have gone through this trial, this suffering, this pain. Well, the heat softens the seed so that it knows it's time to grow. The trial breaks through sometimes spiritual hardness in our life and allows God's Spirit to let us know that it's time to grow. It's important to remember the trial in your life, it's... It's almost never fun. <laughs> it's never fun. Not almost never. The trial is never fun. But it's always profitable because God chose to allow it. It has a purpose. It's never meaningless. God does something with it. And our struggle as humans is that we don't know what that is. <laughs> and we can't see the value of that struggle, particularly when we're in the moment or just coming out the other side. It often takes time processing. Uh, It may be years later before we have experienced some of that growth that came from that trial before we're ready to process that trial and understand it. We need those more mature spiritual eyes that we will only have after having gone through the trial. The more mature eyes from our spiritual self in the future look back. And when we look back at that time, often we go, wow, I'm I'm a different person than I was. I've grown. And I think some people try to look at it as, 
you know, I've grown, I'm not the person I was, and they don't see it as related to the trial. But the truth is, it's often a direct result of the trial, or maybe an indirect result. So the seed doesn't germinate directly because it went through the fire. It is is able to germinate. It's able to respond to moisture and to these other stimuli because it has gone through the fire. So I think sometimes the trial is that thing that makes us more open to the work that God wants to do in our life. Many people end up with a new ministry because of the trial that they went through, but it's not directly related. There's two ways that works. Sometimes people are able to go through the trial and come out on the other side, able to minister people who have gone through the same trial. And that's great, and that's important, and often that's what God's doing. But other people go through the trial, and God opens other doors, and they're open to those other doors because of this trial that they went through. So they're, they go in different ways. It's interesting, because Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 1, and verses 3 to 7 really is a passage that helps as we're thinking about the trials and the struggles and the, the big fires in our life. Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. It's kind of neat there because he says, God comforts us in our tribulation, not just for our benefit but so that we can comfort others. And it's, it's not just those who are in the same tribulation, but it says, in any trouble. So he comforts us in our trouble so that we can comfort others in any trouble. My trial doesn't have to be the same as yours for you to learn something from my trial. Your trial, your struggle, your fire in your life doesn't have to be exactly like mine for me to learn something from you, to be comforted by the way that God worked in your life. That's an awesome truth. God comforts us and teaches us what comfort is, where comfort comes from. He teaches us that through trials, through fires. But if you learn that lesson, that the source of comfort is God, and we've learned to turn to Him in different ways. How, how did you go? How did you, in that middle of that trial... Turn to God. Well, that story often comforts and helps and encourages people who are in very different situations. So, in any trouble, it goes on and says, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, and okay, Jesus went through troubles, he went through trials, and he understands ours, even though his trials weren't exactly like yours. But he knows what trials are. The suffering of Jesus abounds in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Where does the consolation come from? Where does the comfort come from? Well, ultimately, it comes from Jesus. It says, now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And I think that is, that's neat and that's very powerful. Paul is recognizing something in his suffering that maybe all of us don't look for and don't want to look for and don't see and wouldn't want to see. But he recognizes that he is afflicted. He goes through this trial and it is for other people so that they can be consoled, so that they can be comforted, and ultimately so that they can be saved. 
He recognizes that in his own trials. I don't know that we look at our trials that way. We often are so self-aware, self-focused, that we don't think about the implications of our trials on other people. How does this influence other people? How does the way I respond to my trial influence other people? And we don't think about that. And in the middle of it, often we don't care. What is interesting about Paul is that he both recognized it, knew it, and he cared. I think that's a mark of really high level of spiritual maturity. And unfortunately for us, I know for me, I've gone through a trial and do poorly. It's really because of spiritual immaturity. I think that marks us quite often. And we need to go through those trials and turn to God and do well to show our spiritual maturity. It is in that place that we're able to see what Paul did, that, hey, I'm, I'm going through this, and you benefit from it. Now, Paul had a huge advantage here, because if you think about it, go through and look at Paul's life. He went through a lot of trials. I don't think any of us would say, man, I wish I could go through the trials like Paul did, because I'd be so much more mature. We really want the maturity of Paul without the trials of Paul. It's like, man, he had too many fires in his life. Is the, the heat was always on. Well, what resulted? Paul had a very, very strong faith. And you have to understand that the trials that he went through were very much a part of that. God used those in Paul to change Paul. God also used those to work through Paul. So when I examine my life and I see often little trials, particularly compared to Paul, I, I often, I don't want those, even the little ones. It's just, I don't want discomfort. I want a life of ease. And that's, that's the way human nature works. That's the way selfishness works. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to in any way be hindered or slowed down. I, I want to do what I want to do. That's, that's the way that we live, the way that we operate. But Paul recognized that his suffering, his affliction, his trials really worked something great in other people. It was for their consolation and salvation. And it's neat because that consolation, that salvation, he said, is defective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Okay, now, we, we don't want to see that part, right? <laughs> he tells them, because I've gone through this for your sake, I've been able to comfort you, and you've been uh, influenced and encouraged and blessed, and God has saved you. Now, because of this, that salvation, that comfort is effective in preparing you to endure in the sufferings which you are going to face. It's not just for me. It's not just in some little thing. But you have the privilege and opportunity to suffer as I did. That's what he's telling the Corinthians. He says, or if we're comforted, it's for your consolation and salvation. And so this is really cool. This is an awesome passage because basically he recognized that everything, if I'm afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation because that's what God offers you. That's what God has for you. And if I'm comforted, it's for your consolation and salvation because that's what God has for you. That's what God offers you. And that's true for us today. I have to understand what God really is doing in my life is working to comfort me and to save me, to draw me forward, to have a better relationship with Him. 
in verse 7, he goes on and says, And our hope for you is steadfast, because we know that as you are partakers of the suffering, so also you'll partake of the consolation. Now, the consolation ultimately is in Christ and is in eternity. We, we reap the rewards of living a life of following Jesus and the many trials that come with that. I mean, you have to understand something I say a lot as we follow Jesus, you understand his invitation to be a disciple. He says, deny yourself, and automatically we're panicking there. I don't want to deny myself. I want what I want. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Okay, the cross will be suffering. There's no way around that. The, tri- the cross will lead to trials. It will lead to discomfort. <laughs> we have to understand that. But we have to also understand that even as that self-denial, taking up our cross, as that leads us to be partakers of the suffering, we also partake in the consolation that comes only through Jesus. So, just like Paul recognized his suffering had a purpose, and it was for other people, it wasn't only about Paul. Now, certainly Paul grew, particularly early on, I think anyone grows a lot as they learn to deal with suffering. But at a certain point in time, if you really learned that lesson, I think you're, then you're able to look beyond yourself, say other people also have an opportunity to benefit from my suffering. Paul's suffering greatly benefited the Corinthians. It greatly benefits us because we also get that same message. Paul says, if, if we're afflicted, it's for you. And you have the opportunity because you've been comforted, you've been saved, you have been able to be a partaker of the sufferings as we have, you have an opportunity both to receive consolation, but also to be part of that group who is able to give consolation. There's a purpose in our trials. The fire in our life leads to growth, yes, in ourself, but also in other people. It's not just all about us, even though our selfishness wants it to be all about us. Those fiery trials, in the middle of it, absolutely, you can't focus on anything else, understand how that works. But... Ultimately, that's not the goal. Eternally, the goal is much bigger than that. So we don't want to give up in the middle of it. We may not see God's purpose today, but we will ultimately see God's purpose at work. You may not know who will benefit from your trials down the road, but God does. So I know we don't process these things in this way as we go through the trial, but You don't stay in the trial. You eventually do come out the other side. And when you come out the other side, you will have an opportunity to think about yourself, the trial, God, other people. All of these things will come together as you consider and meditate on who God is, what He's done, what He is doing, the comfort that you've received, how that applies in your situation, how you found that comfort, how that applies in other people that you know. All of these things, you'll have time to process that on the other side of the trial. And you may not know who's going to benefit. You may not even have met some of the people who will benefit from your trials yet, but they are there. You'll think about it. You will 
understand God's grace at work in your life. And I, I believe the honest goal is to reach the point where we say, God, thank you for caring for me so much that you changed me, that you made me different, that you wanted me to grow. And you, you didn't just protect me from the world and all the trials, but you used those trials to help me to learn and grow and be more like Jesus. You know, as you process that, you, you're dealing with the ashes. If you've been through a fiery trial in your life, you have ashes. You have burnt material. If you've ever seen a house that's burnt down, it is a mess. It is a tremendous mess. And it is a process to deal with that. It is a tremendous process. And often uh, the what happens is you just go, there's not a whole lot there that can be salvaged. You scrap it all and start over again. Bring in big equipment and level it all out and start over. Well, sometimes the trials in our life are that way, particularly if we have a trial that comes in and we didn't have a foundation. We weren't really, we didn't have a spiritual life developed enough to support a good solid house. What that means is you built something, a structure, a spiritual life somehow without a foundation. You can think about the parable of the house built on the rock and the house built on the sand. Well, the house built on the rock was solid and is worth keeping. The house built on the sand, well, it's it may be a beautiful house, but its structure is it's not safe. Well, a trial, a fiery trial that comes through and burns that house down, then gives the owner an opportunity to say, we need to build a better house. We need a better foundation. How do we do that? As you go through those struggles and you see God at work in your life, you often, on the other side, as you're standing there looking back and saying, man, this is just an ash heap. Maybe there are a few nuggets in there, things that weren't burnable. There's a few uh, bits of gold and silver in there, and you want to pull those out. Say, how do we go forward and build something of value? something that won't burn down so easily? How do we go through, forward and take the lessons that we've learned because of this fire in our life, because of this trial, and build a stronger, healthier spiritual life? And if you can do that, then definitely the trial has served a tremendous purpose in your life. You're learning to evaluate, and you see how that trial affected different parts of your life. How did it affect your thinking? Well, how can you go forward and think in a healthier way, have better thought patterns? How did it affect your, your spiritual life? How did it affect your emotions? How did it affect you physically? You go through and you evaluate how your trial has impacted you in so many different ways. And some of those you go, hey, this was, I did pretty good in this area. Awesome. Celebrate those things as you go through the trial. And remember them when you're talking to other people. Hey, here are things that I did that had prepared me in life for this trial. It's one reason I wasn't devastated in this area. You also recognize, here there are areas where I just did really poorly. And sometimes we look at those, and I know I've had times in my life where I look at the trial I went through, and I realized, well, you know, there were things that I wasn't doing before that I knew I should have been doing, but I wasn't. So when the trial came, I wasn't prepared. Now, you can take this and, and think of a sports analogy. If a team is getting ready for a big game, but they're not practicing, they're probably not going to be ready for the big game. 
And then if their results are poor on that day and they're not able to score any points, their defense poor, they don't have the teamwork, well, they can look back and say, well, we, yeah, we didn't practice. We weren't ready. We, we didn't put the work in. When it's really obvious. Well, sometimes you, you learn from that. You go, okay, well, I need to make sure that we're doing these things for next time. I need to be prepared. Those things that I wasn't doing before, that I recognize now that were really valuable, that maybe I didn't give a, a good value before, now I do. So I'm going to be a little more likely to put the effort in because I've seen what happens when you don't have that built in your life. You know, Maybe it's some of those basics that we keep talking about. You know, If you don't have a good solid time in God's Word consistently, you may be in the middle of that trial and realize, I know God talks about this, but I just I didn't have it with me. I hadn't spent that time meditating on it, chewing on it. It wasn't something that had at hand when I needed it. Maybe it's in your prayer life. And if you're not developing a healthy prayer life, you may have that time when you're standing in that hospital room and, and somebody asks you to pray with them and you're like, okay, God, it's been a while. <laughs> and you're not really ready to talk to God because you've kind of neglected your own relationship. Well, then if you learn these things in a trial, let that be a spark to you to make sure that you're ready the next time because there will be a next trial. Again, I look at Paul and consider how many trials he went through. I just have to think over time that he had to just go, oh, well, here we go again. <laughs> uh, we hope that our life is not like that, but it often does seem to be just a series of different sized trials and struggles, and we're continually being forced to examine and look and consider, how am I doing in this? What did I do wrong? How can I do better? It's one ongoing struggle. That seems to be life sometimes. But when our life burns down, when we have that big struggle, it's time to remember that life comes from the fire. There's new growth that occurs on the other side of the fire after it has cooled down and the rains come. The seeds go through the fire and prepare to germinate. There's new growth and eventually fruit. In your life, spiritual trials bring the opportunity for new growth and ultimately fruit, both in your life and in the lives of other people. Well, thanks for joining me today. If you have come through a fire and you have recognized God's hand at work, once you looked back, I would love to hear your story. Write me at norman at runwithhorses.net and let me rejoice with you that you have learned some of those lessons. If you're in the fire now, well, feel free to write and I would love to pray for you. Uh, pray for God's gracious hand to guide you through the trial. May God bless you as you seek Him in the middle of the trial, before the trial, after the trial. But wherever you are in this life of trials, don't stop pursuing Him and keep running. <laughs>